On today's Midcourt Madness, it is our third annual Coaching Carousel podcast where we discuss all of the coaching changes that have taken place and kind of what led to the coaching changes, how it could affect, you know, their new schools. And, you know, it it's kind of been a quiet offseason for coaching changes, but at the same time, it's been very loud with some of the more dramatic uh, coaching changes, specifically uh, West Virginia there. Um, so we'll get into all of that right after this. All right, Biggs. Lately, I've been doing um, random college basketball player of the week or episode or whatever right. to, to start the show. But I, I decided to throw a curveball at you this week to kind of fit the theme of our episode here. Random college basketball coach Ooh. of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I picked one. I've got five facts lined up, ready to go for you. And let's see if you get this guy or, or right. gal or gal. <laughs> I see your dog. Your dogs. Ha- your dogs have some thoughts. Wow. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Shush! Stop it! It's a fucking neighbor. Oh my gosh! Stop! Hey, knock it off. You gotta love live podcasting, Biggs. Oofta. <laughs> All right. This random coach was born in the state of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. This random coach also had a college basketball playing career at Bucknell. Bucknell. This random college basketball coach coached in these conferences, the America East and the Big East. He likes that east side of the country. Yeah. Or she. Or she. This college basketball coach has two national titles. And this coach is a current college basketball analyst. <laughs> See if I can get, a, get, get the network. Current analyst. Man. The I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised you're not getting Greenberg. It wasn't him. Um. I may have to admit defeat here. Really? I'm give surprised. Me, give me another like. Think three. about the Big East and think about two national titles. Jay Wright. Yes, thank you. I thought about Jay Wright. I'm like, I didn't. I I guess I never really thought about him playing at Bucknell. He did, and then his previous stop stop as a coach was at Hofstra. I knew he coached at Hofstra. I didn't realize yep. Hofstra was in the America East. I'm surprised. This is the coach we talk about the most on this show, and I'm surprised I could sneak that one by you. Well, yeah, you gave me no hints about how he's well. Re- he's regarded as the best looking coach in the business until he <laughs> decided to stop being the best looking coach in the business. Because he stopped wearing suits. Known for uh, known for coaching the jump stop, yeah. you know, or triple threat, or the no. What's the one Jay Wright always pops a boner for? Is the uh, how they shot fake? 
Oh, Shopex. I remember. Oh, God, I remember that back. I mean, Villanova doesn't play on ESPN much because the, the Big East or whatever, nowadays at least, in the last like 10 years, it feels like. Um, but they'll play them in the, they'll play in the non conference. I feel like, God, there was a year where there was a year they played Gonzaga at, I don't know, MSG or something. And freaking the whole, the whole broadcast, they must have just spent the whole, the whole, the whole prep routine for Billis must have been packages of like Villanova guys shot faking and then driving. Cause like it was, it was like, you remember when, did you see the other day? Oh, you were, you've been gone. The Wembenyama deal where he had his first summer league game and like they would come back from breaks and like they're showing Wembenyama like shooting threes and God forbid they, they do not show, they don't show the results of the shot because he missed every shot. He it's just the form. Yeah. They're like, man, comfortable looking outside shot. <laughs> and then like, he, he's just like, he's just like, he's like galloping up and down the floor and happens to like a rebound happens to fall into his arms. They're like terrific rebound. You know, it's just <laughs> packages of Wembenyama just existing on the basketball court. That's like Jay Billis's uh, Villanova just shot faking thing. He just finds like the whole prep is just let's find every single time a guy shot takes and we're just gonna oh my god this Villanova shot fake. That's Jay. That's Jay Wright coaching. We should we should show him. I know I've seen videos of MJ where he like does a shot fake with one hand. And then he does like a quick little jab stop and he gets the guy to actually turn around and almost yeah. do like a three six. We should show him like highlights of that and see what he does. Oh my gosh! I, I make it, it sound like we Billis have access. Might just to- darn near have a heart attack. I make it sound like we have access to these guys to where we can actually do this, but we don't, unfortunately. One day. One day. One day. <laughs> um, and, yeah, you mentioned I was gone for a while. Um, I just want to say, um, for those wondering, Biggs' best man speech was incredible. Um, I've never seen anyone utilize the space of the room as much as he did during a speech. That's my. That's the teacher in me. I like to wander. Yeah. Because like, I always think about it like – because we had like a head table, you know, and most of the time the, pe- the person just a stick up there. Biggs walks down to the DJ stand and grab the mic, starts his speech, and just literally uses the whole dance floor and the rest. I of needed it. I needed to get it away from the DJ. He was drunk with power for a little while there. He was, <laughs> he was setting the tone for the entire thing. You know, he he came in with like a plan and like I you was don't like, like plans. Right, you know what we're gonna do? The, the, he's he's a little too comfortable running offense. We're gonna mix it up and we're gonna go two three zone <laughs> on him and just throw him off his game a little bit. So that was the execution afterwards. You know, I, I give it a B. You, you seem to like it more than I did, but we'll take it. A minus. Yep. All right. So I think uh, I sent you a cheat sheet last night, Biggs. Um, you know, I, I always do all the research on this show, so whatever. Um, I think we start with the Big East since, since we just got off of Jay Wright. Um, some good coaching changes there. One, literally from one team to another. I know um, Ed Cooley, who has had some, you know, Good success at Providence. It's not like incredible success, but has has had a very solid, consistent team over there for like you know the last ten or so years. Um, moves over to replace Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, and hopefully, hopefully I, I shouldn't say hopefully. I don't really care, but it'd be nice to see Georgetown kind of back to prominence. You know, it's one of those schools where it's like, you know how they say like football is better because when this team is really good, you know, I feel like basketball could be better if Georgetown can get back to like the, the old days of like Patrick Ewing and them. And by old days, not Patrick Ewing as a coach, Patrick Ewing as a player. Um, but what do you think on him going to, uh, not Providence, Georgetown? Yeah, that was, that was like one of the worst kept secret ones in the whole coaching carousel, right? And in a carousel that didn't have a lot of like big time, um, 
you know, electric jobs open. Georgetown was probably the most prominent, right? The biggest job that came open. Yep. And I think you summed it up really well, really coolly. I feel like can be summed up in, in just like one word really well. And it, he's solid, mm-hmm. right? He's not going to, he's not going to wow. Yeah. He's not like his teams in Providence have always just been the, the, the definition of just like rock solid. They're never, they're never great. Um, you know, I don't know if they've ever gone to like a fight. I don't know if he's ever gone to like a final four. I don't think so. I can remember. I think I can remember North Carolina playing them in the sweet 16 a couple times recently, but I think that's might be the furthest they've gone, which is more than Fran McCaffrey can say. Yeah. Like they always just have, they always have good teams. They never have like incredible teams. And I don't know if that's a product of you're at Providence or if that's a product of just the way that Cooley, you know, his, his level as a coach. Um, But it's undeniably an upgrade over what Patrick Ewing had gotten Georgetown to, you know, Georgetown was bad. It's, it was it's bad. Really bad. Yeah, wasn't it like was thirty no straight conference absolutely. losses? Wasn't it like some something stupid like that? Like thirty straight conference losses for Georgetown? Yeah, really, really bad. And like some yeah. of the players on the team, I mean, some of the guys. I mean, you see it. Some of the guys on the team are not untalented. They're, the guys are transferring to other places. Brandon Murray transferred to Ole Miss. Uh, your guy Wahab transferred back into the Big Ten. Boomeranged, bo- boomeranged. I think twice. Right, he went back to Penn State. So like. Um, and who was the other, they had another guard who transferred somewhere big time. So it's like these guys, if they were all transferring to like mid major outfits, like you'd be like, okay, so Georgetown's talent issue, like he just wasn't able to get any talent, which is also an issue too, but he was able to get some talented dudes. You know, they had Aminu Muhammad a couple years ago, a five-star recruit. Like it's not that Georgetown, I mean, is they're not, they're not flush with talent. They never, or they haven't been in, in Ewing's tenure, but I think, to make a long to make a long story longer, it feels like if a different coach were coaching last year's Georgetown team or the Georgetown teams of the last handful of years, the same roster, they'd have been more successful. Right. So Cooley's got to raise the talent level, and I don't really know if this current group that he's got. I'm trying to find who they have set on that up roster. to do that right away. Like they they don't even have their current roster updated on like their own website. No, they, they got anything. a whole new team, and, and I don't yeah. even know how good they'll be right now. But. Yep. I, I, but then again, you know, you think about the way Providence plays. How talented is Pro- Providence? Usually, isn't just like loaded. They're usually a team. I always, I always associate Providence with being just like a rock fight type of team. Yeah, it's like a system thing. Like he provides a system to players. He finds guys who can play that system, and they succeed to yep. a certain extent. Not like national championship extent, but you know, consistently a tournament team. He's a floor raiser for sure. Right. Yep. 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 He'll take C guys and make them B guys. He might take A guys and make them B guys, though, too. True. That you don't want. You want to keep those guys as A guys. Right. So you might as well just keep getting C guys, especially when you pay for them. That's true. That's true. Uh, and yeah, and then filling his void at Providence, Kim English, uh, coming over from George Mason. Now, it looks like he's only there. Oh, this is a fun fact. Couple I found years. his Wikipedia page. Um he was hired in 2021 and 2023. So 2021 at George Mason, 2023 at Providence, both on March 23rd. Whoa. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, that's pretty cute. That is cute. Yeah. Anyways. He played, um, at, uh, he played at Missouri. Did he? Good player at Missouri back in the day, if I remember right. He played on that Missouri team that went to the Elite Eight that had Damari Carroll, if I'm remembering correctly. He's uh he's young. He's only 34. Um. 
coach yeah, little... at Tennessee with Rick Barnes. I remember that. That feels like the 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 major selling point for Kim English is that Rick Barnes likes him. Yeah. So he's kind of an unproven coach. I mean, he was okay at George Mason. George Mason is exactly like a you know a basketball hotbed, and he's done okay. And so I think that's kind of one of those upside coaching moves. Like in a perfect world, Kim English gets a job somewhere else from George Mason. Like he goes to, uh, I don't know, Northern Met- Iowa. Yeah, well, somebody bigger than Northern oh, Iowa, but like okay. a like a like an A ten job, you know, he <laughs> does well at Davidson, you know, or something like that. And then two or three years, and then Providence gets him. I think they're they're kind of hiring him, skipping that step, hoping that he can grow into this job, and they have their coach for the next. Well, if and I, if you can get your guy at the age of thirty four in a power conference, that could be you. You could be set up for thirty plus years. You know? Absolutely. So it's one of those ones where it's obviously you hit the jackpot with a good coach, but also hit the jackpot with how long you can hopefully retain him. Yeah, and you know my son agrees with your analysis. They're spot on. He's he's fired up about it. So yeah, he, he's pretty smart. He's pretty smart. He's okay. <laughs> He's got a big enough ego. Let's not build that up even more. Yep. Um, yeah, I think both of those hires might pale in comparison as far as like notoriety of coaches with, with the other Big East coaching hire. St. John's going from Mark Anderson to Rick, not Richard, not Richard, Rick Patino, the uh, disgraced former Big East coach. Was he in the Big East before with Louisville? He must yeah, have Louisville yeah. was in the Big East. Yeah, before that went to the ACC. He, he probably would have had stints in both the ACC and the Big East while Correct. at Louisville. So he returns to the Big East at St. John's. And St. John's is another school who they've had some prominence dating back to like the late 90s, early 2000s. Haven't really been able to get there for a while. But if anyone could get them there in his probably his last, what do you think he has, like maybe five years of coaching it? Like there's not – a ton of t- coaching time left for him. Yeah, I don't but know. could could he build them up in that time? I mean, it seems like he's done a nice job putting together a roster that, at least on paper, should be really interesting this upcoming year. Yep. And I mean, from a tactical standpoint, he's a top he's ten coach in the country. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. There, there's not many that I would rather have over him in terms of just hey, you gotta you gotta design a plan to win me a game today. You know, he's, yep. he's really good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like it. Why not? I mean, St. John's in, in my lifetime has never really been – I've never gotten the intrigue, you know, but that's because I'm a, I'm from middle America. And so, you know, New York City just doesn't really get my juices flowing like it does the rest of the country. Well, they just haven't had the success recently either. And that's it too. They had a little – they had like a mini run or what felt like was about to be the start of a run when Steve Lavin was their head coach. You know, Lavin was a broadcaster. Oh. Lavin was a really good broadcaster with, like, ESPN. And then all of a sudden, he, he went to St. John's, and, like, they were they were pretty darn good. And then he had to, he got sick, I believe. He had cancer or something, so he had to step away, and now he's back broadcasting again. But it felt like there was there was something coming, and then it, and then it just kind of petered oh. out. Um, I mean, they're going to get talent there. New York yep. City, St. John's. I mean, that's that's big time. And well, it's like as a North Carolina fan, there's so many people worried about Ian Jackson, 
who is a 2024 recruit that Rick, now that Rick Pitino is at St. John's, I think, is he from New York city? I want to say, I think so. Um, so they're worried that Rick Pitino is just actively trying to poach him basically. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, like, talent in, and in that's going to happen. Yeah, it is. It is. And I mean, how surprised would you be if they do poach him? I mean, not very, not very. Wouldn't be shocking at all. No. And if you're Ian Jackson, hey, would you rather play for Rick Pitino? I mean, this current yeah. day, right now, maybe. You know, um, if they have a pretty good NIL war chest, I'm not really. I think they do. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like that one, and and I don't know if I. Don't, Again, we can do conference previews here probably later this fall. Or oh, we'll, we'll get to a programming update at the end of the show here, Vic. Perfect. Don't, yeah, don't get into my thing. Just, just from a just from a roster perspective, I know they've. I mean, he's he's been busy on the trail. He's got basically a whole new roster. He took a couple guys from Iona, maybe. And um, I mean, I I don't think St. John's will be like the favorite in the Big East. But how surprising would it be with Rick Pitino running the show if St. John's has the kind of success right away that some of those coaches last year had? And in year one, yep, I wouldn't be shocked. No, I wouldn't be either. Um, tournament team here, yeah, yeah, I think so. Too. Why not? I think so too. Okay, um, let's see here. Let's switch conferences. Um, go to one which didn't have a ton of, especially not a ton of offseason activity. Activity, I'll say that's the Big 12. Um, Texas did make it official. Hiring Rodney Terry to replace Chris Beard after he had a good season with Chris Beard's roster, obviously, but still was able to coach him up and have a good year. Um, Gary Parrish is rolling in his grave um, that they would hire him just solely based on tournament success, as he would say, Um, which, you know, he's probably going to say that this year about West Virginia. Um, You know, if Josh Eilert has a successful team or a successful year with Bob Huggins' roster, you should not hire him solely based on that, Biggs, just so you know. Thank you. Thank okay. you for enlightening okay. the rest of the audience. Yeah. We had no yeah. idea. Yeah. And oh. so I don't think we have to touch too much on those two, especially I, I have known nothing about Josh Eilert. I highly, highly doubt you do. Um, given any other circumstance, I don't think he would have been a head coach this year. So, nope. you know, but he is being given the opportunity to prove, him, prove himself. So uh, we'll see if he takes it. Not much of one. That West Virginia team is going to be yeah, it's uh, going to be bad. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be ugly. And then, uh, so probably the one that actually was an offseason thing. Which, what was it that Mark Adams did? Was it a, like a hate, like a bullying type thing that he got kind of terminated for? What, what? Yeah, I think so. I think basically there? just being like a racist old man. Okay. I, that that could be minimizing it in a huge way. But like, I think okay. basically just being a douche. Gotcha. He doesn't look like he'd be a douche, you know. No, he really doesn't. He looks like he's he got that g- gentle, frail old man look to him. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like a Jim Laranega type, where like he yeah. just looks like a like an adorable grandpa who would just like be hanging out in his rocking chair, like with his grandkids on his knee, reading them a book, eating a, like whenever he goes to like McDonald's, all he d- gets is like a vanilla ice cream cone, like that type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's being replaced by a coach from our. Mean Green, your boy, that who I know you love, Biggs, Grant McCasland. I like that hire a lot. I do. I, I like uh, I, I like that hire a ton. I think McCasland is, if I remember right, he's from the Scott Drew coaching tree. If I remember correctly, I, I think. I yes, think that's he true. he uh, he was at Baylor from 2011 to 2016 as an assistant. Okay, um, 
and I mean, he's had Mean Green. North Texas has been has been darn good for at least the last what three or four years. Did they win the NIT consist- last year? They've kind of consistently been in the tournament, haven't they? I thought they're they were, in the tournament, or they're always they're always like a twenty-five yeah. win team. Yeah, you know, so in the they, conference they, USA, like well, it's basically well, one of those conferences where if you don't win the conference tournament, you're probably not making the national tournament. So he was at Biggs. He was at North Texas for six seasons. The number of wins in order: 20, 21, 20, 18, 25, 31. So his last years, he definitely really improved. But even the the eighteen and ten season I mentioned, they reached the round of thirty-two that year. Yeah, the eighteen and ten season was probably the COVID year where seat, where games were cut short. Yeah, so probably didn't have enough chances to get twenty two, twenty four wins. You know, is that his only turn? Why do I think he had more tournament appearances? Was that the year that they beat Purdue or whatever? Maybe, but I, I swear I thought they're in the tournament just this last season. I guess I'm wrong. Uh, no, they, they well didn't they? I think they won the NIT. Yeah, they won the NIT, but I thought they were in the actual tournament, not the JV tournament. Gotcha. No, I mean, they, they, but that's the thing is like they've always been really good. It's not just a mat. You're not just hiring him because he had the North Texas team that beat Purdue a couple years ago. You know, he's they've had they've had really good teams. They haven't gotten to the tournament a ton, but they've had very good teams. Um, and I do think the style that he coaches to is is going to be a fit at Texas Tech. I mean, Texas Tech, you're not going to you're not going to get loaded with freak athlete, five-star, one-and-done talents, right? I, I think the, the model for winning at Texas Tech is you've got to kind of embrace your inner grinder. You've got to get the under-recruited guys. You've got to probably live in the transfer portal and not in the transfer portal where you're getting, you know, the top of the transfer portal. They, they did a really good job getting portal dudes, but it's a lot of uh, underrated, under, under-recruited, under even in the portal. I think the portal recruiting and, and high school recruiting is probably going to be similar the, the further into the into the portal we get. They're, they're going to be really tough, I think. I, I don't think they're going to be, with the roster that he's already assembled, I feel like it's a pretty Grant McCaslin-D team, similar to what North Texas was in that they play really slow. They're big as hell. They play really tough defense, and I think this Texas Tech team that he's got is going to be cut from that same cloth. Like they're they're probably going to have games where they just can't score, but they're going to have games where they're going to be really, really, really annoying to play against because their defense is going to be really tough. Yep. And I feel like that's the type of coach he is. Is they're they're always going to be kind of competent. Yep. I agree. All right. Kind of building off of um, talk about Chris Beard. Um, obviously being fired last year. Um, we can quickly quick jump over to the SEC because I believe that's the only coaching change in the SEC is uh, Ole Miss choosing to hire the disgraced former Texas and Texas Tech coach um, to replace Kermit Davis. Um, do you have anything on that one? When he got fired, did we both think he was going to take – did we both think he was going to get another high major job? We, we were doing a little segment for – like buying or selling or something like that. And you were selling, you sold the, the thought of him ever becoming a college basketball coach ever again. Did I seriously? Yes. I remember that. You that were, feel stupid now. Like I can't you were slightly, you were slightly wrong. And I, I, you know, to discredit myself, I think I, I followed that up saying, I think he would, but I don't think it's gonna be like a power conference. Up. I think like maybe he could build up to like a mid major type job. Like maybe somehow he could do that, but not a power conference. But then literally, the year was even over. 
literally the next season, he is already coaching at a power conference again. It's incredible. I know. I know. So that's the SEC. I don't think you have too much on that. Just much, much like myself. No, I mean, I, I would, I would say this. I mean, Ole Miss is a really hard job. Everybody loved Kermit Davis when he was at Middle Tennessee. Everybody thought, man, this is a great fit. He's going to go to Ole Miss and he's going to do well. And Ole Miss kind of stunk. So I think that job is really hard. You know, it's probably, I mean, when you're ranking, how many SEC schools are there? 14? Yeah. They're probably, they're probably toward the bottom, right? 12, 13, 12. 14? Yeah. They're, they're somewhere at the bottom. And so I think if there's a coach who can do it, I mean, we, we've held Beard in the regard of he is one of the best coaches in the country. And so, mm-hmm. I guess I just kind of assume that he'll he'll be okay at Ole Miss. Yeah. But I don't know. Ole Miss has chewed up and spat out some pretty darn good coaches before. So I, that'll be interesting to see. He has assembled a roster. Waiver the complicated aspect of previewing seasons at this point is like what double time transfers are going to get waivers, and, and I have no idea. That's all over my head. If the guys get waivers that that he's brought in. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but I think Ole Miss is going to be really good. I think they're going to be really underrated and, like, sneak up on people. And and I think Chris Beard being considered one of the best coaches around is is a is a factor in that. And he's a really, really good coach. To speak nothing of, you know, what he does in his free time, um, beating his wife and stuff. Yeah. I think he's pretty good at coaching basketball. Yeah. So... I, I think that is okay to say, Biggs. That is okay to say. Okay. Yeah. 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 We're an anti-beating your wife podcast. Yeah. But uh, you know, if you're good at coaching basketball, we'll we'll mention it. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna get so canceled by our five listeners. Uh, let's see here. Let's go, Big Ten. Sorry, we know how to compartmentalize, listeners. <laughs> Let's go Big Ten. Um, only one there, but it's kind of an intriguing one, Biggs. Um, Micah Shrewsbury, who I think was only there for a couple seasons. Um, he leaves to go to – I got to find it here. Uh, where did he go to again? Notre Dame. Notre Dame, that's right. We'll get to that one later then. Um, but he is replaced by Mike Rhodes coming from VCU, who – he's only been there for a couple years, right? No, a few years. Um, he's got, I see, three – Tournament appearances to his name. Did not win a game in the tournament, but we won't hold a, hold a grudge for that. Um, but kind of an interesting hire. I, I, I like seeing – let me ask you this. There's a few coaches that are coming up from, like, the mid or low major to the high majors now. Um, who do you see having, like, the most success? And just to give you a, a few ideas, there's Mike Rhodes, uh, Mark Madsen. He's going to Cal, which is Pac-12, which I guess that's a mid-major. Never mind. Um, Rick Pitino, his first ever job at a Power Six conference. Congrats to him. Uh, Kim English. Let's see who else. Grant McCasland. Um, who do you see as being kind of like the most set up for success? Because I, I like seeing these coaches like build themselves up from the low to the mid, and then the mid to the high. So I like seeing them succeed in that way. Uh, kind of like a Jim Laranega type, you know, at Miami. Yeah. Rather than just being like a, you know, a Duke guy or a North Carolina guy who kind of just get the job because they went to college there and then became assistant coaches there. I like seeing these little guys build themselves up to the high major and then be successful there. You like seeing people earn their success. That's uh, that's exactly. normal. 
Yeah, yes. absolutely. Don't like seeing hand me hand 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 handouts. Yes. Um. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to mention Patino in that group because he just kind of feels. I like know. I, I I just tossed that one in there. Um. I don't think Mike Rhodes is probably the first one that comes to my mind, if only just because Penn State. Yeah, yeah. Penn State is just not a. I think Shrewsbury was good, but what what Penn State finish? Were they like they were okay. like middle of the pack in the Big Ten? I mean, they were a good team. Um, but it feels like that if he would have stayed at Penn State, they were due to regress. So I think he got out at a good time because I don't think they have anybody coming back. They just had, you know, Jalen Pickett was, was kind of, they had a senior heavy group with like a big 10 player of the year caliber guy in Jalen Pickett combined with down seasons from, you know, a number of big 10 schools. I, I just, I think Penn State is, is the, one of the toughest jobs in the conference to sustain you know, quality yet. So I think, I mean, I think English is probably set up well in Providence because it's a recruiting hotbed. He's young. He's got a, he's got a good NIL package there. I don't know what Penn State's NIL program looks like. I think Madsen at Cal has a chance to be okay. If only just because I think he's a I think there's a chance he's a really darn good coach. Although I don't know how I could see. So I had, I was preparing my notes last night, and I was sitting there thinking, I was like, is this the Mark Madsen who had the awkward dance moves at the Lakers championship celebration like 20 years ago? Like, is this the same guy? Because I had no idea he was a coach. Yeah. But knowing him from his playing career, he was kind of like a guy who wouldn't really – he didn't do the pretty stuff in a basketball game. Let's put it that way. He's like a tough, tough-nosed guy. And as you're talking, I did double-check to make sure that was the same Mark Madsen. And under his Lakers playing career, there's a sentence here. It says that they're interviewing Shaq. They go talking about his prime with the Lakers. Shaquille O'Neal said the only player who could thwart him from his dominant play was Madsen. He O'Neal said he used to beat me up in practice. If you're going at Shaq in practice like that, you're a tough nose guy. So I expect um, Cal to play kind of like tough nose dive after loose balls type defense, taking charges, which some people hate. I love. Um, so I'm here for it. Well, he's known as the Mad Dog. Exactly. You know, so not Mad Dog Chris Russo, the uh, the loudmouth talking head who does some stuff on first take now. Mark Madsen is known as Mark Mad Dog Madsen. So, yeah. also you must love him, Biggs. Yeah, he's okay. He played. He played. He played for the Timberwolves. He did. He yeah. did. He played there for a while. I remember, really, I mean, the two the two things that I remember about Mark Madsen is the year that, oh, what year was it that the Wolves... Oh, they had Spreewell and Cassell and Oloa Kandi. Yep, he was on that team, and, like, by the end of it, he was he was playing a way bigger role than he needed to be, and he had to guard Shaq. And I remember, yeah. like, they would show Shaq trying to back down on the Bulls, and Madsen was, like, completely, like, leaning tower of pizza. He put leaning tower of pizza to shame. Like, this man was, like... <laughs> Angled down like his feet were like way the heck back behind. Him. Was, was it like Michael? Was like really Michael push. Jackson when he does his leaning thing? Like yeah, and he was like leaning against Shaq's like butt. You know, <laughs> his feet were probably about five feet behind where his hands were, um, and that was the only way that he could try to basically thwart Shaq's dominance. I guess I love Shaq. it. I love um, it. And then the, I think it was maybe the next year even where the Wolves were tanking down the stretch and he took like ten threes in a game. This is a man who never shot threes, and just because we were trying to lose, you know, the NBA tanking bullshit. Yep. Uh, they were just like, hey, green light to you, Mad Dog. And I think he missed all of them. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But, 
Yeah, I, I would say I, just to tur- circle back to the to Mike Rhodes. I mean, VCU has had a, a heck of a coaching career. I mean, that that job, mm-hmm. man. Like, if you coach at VCU, like you're probably getting a pretty darn good job eventually. Yep. It's hard to not do well there. Like, I can't remember even dating back all the way to Shaka. Like, since Shaka, they have not had like a, like a bad stretch, and they've had like five coaches go on and get bigger jobs, like following VCU. So. I mean, I, I think Rhodes is is um, he's going to get paid. He's going to get big checks at Penn State, and I, I don't think they're going to be great. They might he might do what Shrewsbury does, where it's one out of every couple of years he puts together a heck of a team that competes. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. And speaking of VCU, they hired to replace Mike Rhodes. They hired Ryan Odom, who is the only coach ever, Biggs, to win. A tournament game as a 16 seed against a one seed. He is the coach from UMBC. Uh, you know how you, you you joked about with me about how I always have the Fran McCaffrey um, fact as well as the Mac Etienne. I also do the whole uh, with Jim Larinaga. He used to use coach at George Mason, and I have a feeling this Ryan Odom one might be my that might be like the uh, the Mount Rushmore of the things I always say on this podcast for my interesting facts. He coached at UMBC. Yeah, when they when they were the only they team were the ever. first team ever. The only the only team. The and only the team. Or oh, wait, no, not the only. I'm stupid. I'm stupid. <laughs> well, they were the only team to beat a one seed before and then have, said one seed came back to win the national title the following year. Yes. before a global pandemic. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, he used that success to go to. Oh my God, where was he last year? I, I just had it. Utah State. Yep. Use that success to get to Utah State and now to VCU. And who knows, maybe in like two years we're doing this coaching carousel and he's at, I don't know, uh, Indiana. I'm just throwing one out there. Sure. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Um, Something yeah, to strive like, for. It's interesting because I guess, you know, you usually, you know, the thing about Odom is, or I guess the thing about VCU is VCU is, is another one of those teams that feels like close your eyes and picture what VCU is playing like. It's super easy, right? They're pressing, they're trapping, they're playing that Havoc-style defense. Um, they've got just like physical, athletic gnats all over the floor, right? They are Press Virginia before Press Virginia was Press Virginia. And, like, it feels like they've been like that. They started that with – they had that with Shaka when they had a ton of success – they had that with Will Wade. They had that with Mike Rhodes. They've had that like every year, no matter what coach is there, it feels like. And Ryan Odom doesn't, his Utah State teams played absolutely nothing like that. And the transfers they're bringing in, he brought in a couple guys from Utah State. He brought in, um, uh, who was the guard? Joel Bamasil, I believe, from Oklahoma. These guys are not get in your shorts, get in your junk, press 90 feet type players. And so it's it's going to be odd just watching VCU run <laughs> competent offense. Like I feel like Utah <laughs> State and VCU were completely different teams. Utah State was like uh, they played like, um, you know, like the San Antonio Spurs back in like 2014, where it was like poetry in motion offense, like beautiful motion offense with the ball zipping around, kind of like what Creighton does. And VCU is like we're just going to be junkyard dogs. Like those two styles are completely opposite in my eyes. Yep. And so he's going to bring that that other style to VCU. And I don't know. I guess I just find that kind of intriguing. 
I, I think he'll be successful because he was really, really good at, at UMBC. He was awesome at Utah State. That Utah State team was one of my favorites last year. Um, just for some reason, it felt like I, I watched every darn Utah State game down the stretch of the season. And, um, you know, if they run the same kind of stuff that they did, I, I think I think they're going to be awfully good in the A-10. All right. Nah, let's see. We'll get. I, I got a couple more, just other notables here. Um, we talked Mean Green, talked VCU, um, Green Bay. Uh, I just put Will Ryan to Sundance Wicks. Know nothing about him, but I just put. Is that the coach of the All Name Team right there, Sundance Wicks? Sundance Wicks. Yeah, yeah it sounds like he's name. going to. Uh, he's going to cast some sort of an ancient, an ancient spell over his over his players to. To raise their field goal percentage, there you eight go. points in corner threes. That's called a rain dance, mix. It's the rain dance, exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how, who knows? What's the sun dance do then? <laughs> um, and then another one. Um, know nothing about the school or its players, but definitely a notable coaching name here. Uh, McNeese, John Aiken to Will Wade, uh, the disgraced LSU coach from a couple years ago. He, he gets his other opportunity. That's kind of like the – when I was talking about Chris Beard and like how he could get back to the coaching works, That that's how I envisioned it, not what he's doing. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And uh, I guess that just shows you the difference, like where people don't think Lil Wade is that good of a coach. Um, I'm pretty sure he put together – if I remember – I haven't combed through their roster, but if I remember right, he got some actual dudes at McNeese State. Now, he, he okay. got a show cause or whatever, but like – what is showcase? I hear that term all the time. What does that mean? Yeah, I think it's just a, a fancy. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure the entire deal, but I know it's like he basically has sanctions. He got suspended, I think, ten games. He'll have some recruiting sanctions. He won't be able to fill out a roster with 13 scholarships, which, boy, crippling nowadays because uh, you only basically want 10 or 11 guys anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, x amount of visits or, or you know, coaches are allotted certain number of of recruiting visits they can make, things like that. I think he's just limited in a lot of those ways. Maybe it's that he can't get the show cause essentially like a, a black mark in terms of you can't get a head coaching job at a high major maybe for a little while. I don't know. Sure. Um, I like saying it, and yet I'm not entirely certain what it really means. I'm just going to start using the term freely. Like if there's like a hard foul in a, in a game – I'm like, oh, that guy deserves a show cause. Yeah, give him a show cause. <laughs> yeah. Screw technical, like screw, screw flagrant, screw flagrant. This needs to rise to the level of a show cause. I lo- oh, man. Rising to the level of a show cause. Yeah. yeah. That's, that does sound intense. Yeah. <laughs> like the Gerald Henderson foul on Tyler Hansbro. Deserved a show cause. Deserved a show cause. Yeah, yeah. big time. <laughs> um, I'm curious how long do you think Will Wade – Assuming his show cause allows him to allow, uh, assuming two he season, two seasons, a, okay, two seasons at McNeese, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And then he'll probably yeah. coach at Ole Miss after Chris Beard gets a job at uh, Texas A and M, Georgia, <laughs> something yeah. like that. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, then going to we have one more conference to go to. Um, I didn't purposely leave this for last, but it kind of worked out that way. And we had a bet on this exact topic. How many coaching changes in the ACC? Uh, it was over under three and a half. You went took the over. I took the under. Uh, there's three coaching changes. So I win. Uh, I don't know if you just don't get Venmo notifications, but I did uh, submit a request for – because I did get my burrito the other day. 
So uh, I did submit a request for money on Venmo, and uh, either you're a deadbeat who doesn't want to pay up, or you just don't have notifications because you have not paid me yet. Well, I get paid in nine days, so <laughs> then eleven dollars might break me. Okay, well, so you I did get it, it then. I just saw it. I just saw it this morning when I saw your email come through about the <laughs> the uh, uh, the pod stuff. So uh, rest easy. You will have that eleven dollars in your proverbial hand before the day is through. Oh, I'm holding you to that. Okay. Otherwise, I'll shame you on the next pod. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, only three coaching changes. There were some. The ACC had some some kind of upside down. Uh, performances this past year with teams uh, improving. Uh, some like, teams kind of like Pitt. We expected, year. yeah, we expected Pitt to have a coaching change, but they then he ended up being the coach of the year. Yeah, that one was uh, that one was a big one. I was kind of banking on on that one. Um, I'm trying to think, what were the changes? Uh, we have Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech, Josh Pastner to Damon Stoudemire, which I'm not even sure does he have a lot of coaching experience. He's been an assist. Uh, he coached at Pacific, if I remember right, and I remember him from the NBA back in the day. Yeah, he was great. The Mighty Mouse. Yeah. Um, he was uh, a head Pacific. coach at Pacific and was awesome. Apparently, what? Pacific was not good, but yep. that job is one of those where it's like if you can win anything, it's amazing because yep. apparently people. Why would you go to Pacific to play basketball? You go to Pacific to sit on the beach and be near the Pacific Ocean because you know it's a. Uh, marvel at the majesty that is the pacific ocean and so like the job he did was lauded as like you know how like jerry stackhouse hasn't really won at all at vanderbilt and yet you see like sec coaching rankings and like he's always up there towards the middle towards the top like people really respect the job he does despite like the success not really being there yep like i think damon stoudemire is viewed in a similar light in that like he hasn't won yet but Boy, if you give this guy like some opportunities and like some resources, put him in a position where he can, he is going to maximize things and win a lot. Uh, I don't know if that's Georgia Tech. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. feel like a super job to me. Nope. Um, but I know he's been he's been highly regarded. I know he was one of the you know a lot of the discourse around the Boston Celtics this year was like this Joe Missoula man like he's just he's a rookie coach he's shitting his pants on the sideline he has no idea what he's doing. This man doesn't have any assistants. They also lost all their assistants. Well, Damon Stoudemire was is one of them. He yep. assistants that that bailed middle of the year or something, I guess, to go to go coach at Georgia Tech. So, gotcha. um, I think it's a. I, I know people seem high on that job because they seem high on him. Does that mean that they're going to do anything? I don't know. We'll see. I guess. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you mentioned most recently an assistant Boston Celtics specifically. Um, has experience as an assistant at the college level at both Memphis, which, in which he has two different stints at Memphis, mm. as well as at Arizona. Um, then you mentioned Pacific. So he's got some experience. And he's got experience as an assistant at some good schools too. So Yep. Um, Forgot yeah. about Arizona and Memphis. Yeah. 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 And normally as a North Carolina fan, I'd say I hope he isn't su- successful there. But at the same time, the ACC needs more better teams. If that makes sense, they're they're so bad to the point where it makes it used to be like if you were five hundred in the ACC, you'd make the tournament. Now, not so much because the teams are just so bad, you know. Yeah. So I do hope that he's successful there, just because then it raises raises the floor of the ACC quite a bit. Um, another one, and we already talked about on the this on the other side, but Micah Shrewsbury from uh, Penn State to to Notre Dame to replace Mike Bray. Um. 
like you said, like he was okay at Penn State. Yeah. There's nothing that makes me feel like he's going to be amazing at Notre Dame. Also, nothing that makes me feel like he's going to crash and burn at, at Notre Dame either. So we'll see on that one. Boy, the roster they got this upcoming year is going to be really interesting. If they do anything, even if they don't finish in the bottom, I guess my respect level for Micah Shrewsbury will go up because the roster at Notre Dame is it's bleak, man. It looks bad. It looks yeah. really, really bad. Yeah. So I don't think he is exactly set up for success here in year one. Uh, and then Syracuse, Jim Beheim, longtime coach of like 40 plus years, I want to say. Um, left, he, he's kind of like, you know, Bob Huggins is making his exit a lot worse than it has to be. Jim Beheim kind of did the same thing too, where it's like you, you could clearly tell he didn't want to leave yet quite yet. But it seemed like he was forced out, but at the same time they told him, we'll allow you to make it easier on yourself if you want, or we can just fire you type thing. Um. So I don't know why coaches do this. Like, you know, take your ride into the sunset. Be done with it. You could have had a retirement tour if you wanted, but you didn't. Um, but anyways, Adrian Autry replaces him. I think he was a Syracuse assistant um, last year. I don't know if he has any head coaching experience. I don't think so. Um, he's been at Syracuse since about 2011, so he knows the program, so that's good. Um, but, yeah, this is definitely going to be a much different uh, – Different experience for him than he was ever used to before. Yeah, you know the thing on Beheim, it, it's interesting because like it, it simultaneously felt like he didn't want to get hot or fired. You know, he didn't want to quit. He wasn't ready, but also didn't it feel like for like the last five years he wanted to retire more than anything? He, he's just been a grumpy old man. In yeah, the it media. just feels like it, he's miserable. Yeah. And and my yeah. guess is like, my guess is it was one of those where like he just couldn't pull himself to say like I'm done. But I bet you now that he's out of it, I would wonder if like he's probably he's at like, peace now. Yeah, he probably like somehow looks like ten years younger, like the second he quit <laughs> quit the job, and like he's probably way healthier. And yeah. I don't know, like he that feels like one where it's it's like he has gone quietly into the night, you know. And like, yeah, he went kind of he went semi kicking and screaming out, but like kind of like Bob. I feel like Jim Beheim has been retired for five years. He just happens to have still been yep. on the sidelines at Syracuse. Yeah, they've been terrible, and like he's been just kind of I don't know an afterthought. So get out. Let's re let's restart. I kind of view Cuse the way you were talking about St. John's earlier, where it's like, or no, yep. maybe the way you said Georgetown in that. College it, I I, I kind of said it for both. I kind of said it for both. I feel like that about Syracuse. I mean, man, growing up, Syracuse was always just like a powerhouse. They were yep. awesome, and I know, like, since they've gone to the ACC, that feels like how that feels like the the line where they kind of went downhill. But, boy, I mean, how great would it be if Syracuse could get back to being, like, a national top 15 team that's, like, got some actual juice? Yep. That would be sweet. Like, they were they were just such a – they were such a force. I mean, not, not even talking, like – I mean, not even, even post-Carmelo. My son's fired up about the opportunity. Yeah, he loves the opportunity for Adrian Autry. Yeah, like – you know, it would just be nice. I feel like now the only time you ever hear about Syracuse is the once a year they play Duke and they're like, they hype it up on a Saturday night. They're like, Duke, Cuse. Yep. And Duke shits on him. It's like, oh, cool. Great. <laughs> love watching this shit. You know, so I'd love to see them get back to being. Can we just start a competent? Can we just be middle of the pack? Because you're right. The ACC, it seems like, has been such a, such yep. a slog. Yep. You know, the wrong teams have been good lately. And so. We need Cuse to get good. We need Louisville to get good. 
Notre Dame. You know, we need Virginia to stay good. You know, we need Wake Forest to to take it up a notch. We need Carolina to get back to being really good. Um, Some of these teams just need to figure their shit out. And Syracuse is one of them. And let's hope hope, uh, Adrian Autry is up to the task. All right, Biggs, that's the end of my list. Do you have any others that are notable in your mind? I don't. Okay. No, so I guess now the question becomes, you know, two years ago, we, we or last summer, last summer we framed this talking point as like, who's going to be the Tommy Lloyd, right? Tommy Lloyd was the first-year coach at Arizona two years ago, took them from uh, relatively nothing to a lot of somethings. Last year, it was Jerome Tang. Came out of nowhere, made Kansas State really, really good. I'm trying to think of some other coaches who, who were year one coaches who were awesome. Jerome Tang is the one that pops in my mind. Um, who's it going to be this year? What first-year coach? Sean Miller was really good last year in year yeah. one. Who's set up this year to enjoy year one success? Keep it in mind that when we do conference previews, we can go more in-depth on this. But just shooting from the hip right now without a ton of, like, knowledge of what rosters are going to look like. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Yeah. I would say I'm ignoring the ACC because I don't have confidence in any of them. No. Uh, Big 12. I'm leaving the Rodney Terry hire off this competition because he was coaching there for multiple seasons. Yep. Um, I would consider Texas Tech without knowing the roster again. They usually have have guys, though. Yep. Um – Georgetown, I don't think so. Providence, I would consider. St. John's, I would consider. Not Penn State, not Cal, not Ole, not Ole Miss, not quite yet. Maybe in two years. Um, did you say this about Kansas State though? You probably said not Kansas State. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why this is so tough. I know. That's why we gotta like check ourselves before we wreck yeah. ourselves. And that's that's where also the uh, the lack of knowledge of rosters at this point is gonna kill me. I'm gonna go yeah, Texas Tech tough. though, just because I think. Texas Tech is always competitive, at least the last, like, 10 years. Um, so I'm going to go with them. I like it. I can see that. Yeah. Especially for a guy who has had that success at a lower major yep. with North Texas. So and he's staying in the same state. He's going from north. He's He dropped the north, added on the tech. Um, so it should be an easy transition for him. Yeah, you're right. They did just – he just changed north to tech. <laughs> And he put it at the end instead of the beginning. Yeah, he changed the the, the arrangement of the word. Yeah, pretty. Um, and the color of his and the color of his jerseys are true. No longer green, but they're red. And they're the are red. they mean? Are they mean red? Raiders are generally are they considered mean? I feel like they are, right? Yeah. Well, Marauders are are known as mean. But Raiders, I mean, I would say so. They're not generally connotated as a, as a kind being, so. Yeah, I'm here for it. I could see McCaslin having some success. Big 12 scares me, but hey, look at Kansas State last year was uh, was the team. So I, I dig it. Um, I'm going to say Ole Miss. I'm going to answer my own question and say Ole Miss. Okay. Uh, Chris Beard, it feels like a little bit of a cheating answer just because he is really established. He's not like Jerome Tang, who's been an assistant for a really long time. So maybe I'm cheating a little bit there. I'll allow it. Okay. I'll go Chris Beard. That one is dependent on... I, I do think it is dependent on some of the waiver situations, which we will hopefully have clarity uh, before the season starts. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. You're right. I don't feel really great about any of the ACC guys lighting it up right away. 
I don't really feel great about uh, Shrewsbury. I don't feel particularly strong about um, Mark Madsen, even though he's in a mid-major conference. True. I like... I don't know anything really about Kim English, but I do like the roster that Providence has. So I think there's a chance that they could be pretty good too. Yep. All right. So yeah, and then uh, I think that kind of ends the coaching talk here. I was going to give a quick programming update. So, you know, like every other year, we like to do our conference preview season. Um, and I have it tentatively scheduled out to begin September 11th. Um, and so that's about two months from now. And that'll be, they'll basically consist of one, two, three, four, is it nine total episodes? Yeah. We do a low major, we do mid-major, then we do each of the six power conferences. Then we just kind of do like a college basketball preview, which will be on November 6th, which is like right when the season starts. Um, and so in between now and that September 11th, I would envision doing one more episode, probably just about this time next month. And then after that, we can kind of start doing our prep to look at some of these teams and figure out who's going to be good and not and whatnot. Um, do you have like an idea of what we can talk about next episode? It could just be like any news that's happened. I don't know if there's any theme we could come up with. We could do a mailbag. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, we don't have listeners. <laughs> well, we Let's just create our own questions. Write our own questions for ourselves. Yeah. That's actually – so like without giving up my job, I actually have to present this upcoming Wednesday – our office does like this whole like free webinar type thing. And I'm one of the presenters, but there is at the end of it, like a Q and a portion. Um, We are writing basically our own softball questions to ask ourselves basically on our topics. And then there might be ones that come in from the people listening, but for the most part, it's probably just going to be your own questions. So that's totally fine. How nervous are you for that? Not so much. Last year was the first time we did this. So that was my first time ever doing something like that. Uh, I had to speak for an hour. I was definitely nervous, but I got through it. This you really out of your shell. I feel like when I met you, you would have been nervous about this kind of thing. Oh, I, I yeah, you're, you are right. Um, this year will only be a half hour. I'm torn. So like, I, I think I told you it's virtual. There's no one there. I think I'd rather have it be a room full of people because I'm the type to want to tell a couple jokes at the start. You want to tell you, jokes from start to finish. Yeah, basically. So it's like if you hear those jokes and you or like the, you hear like the crowd laughter, you can kind of build on that. Yeah. But if you're just telling jokes to an empty room, you don't get that same effect. Yeah, that's true. You need the energy from the room to kind of give you energy. That's where you draw your power. That's right. Interesting. You know what you need to do? You need to download like a laugh track. Like, uh, I don't know. Like <laughs> I just have a button up at the podium with me. Yeah, just yeah. So it's like it's like the laugh track deal, like in like uh, How I Met Your Mother or Friends or something. Have you ever seen uh, on Big Bang Theory? They've done clips where it's like they remove the laugh track. So it's like they say like these weird jokes in the show, and it's like it's really just them being very very sad and depressed, kind of. And, and there's no laugh track. If there's no laugh track, it just sounds so sad. It's just awkward. Yeah. Oh, you wonder, would you laugh half as much on some of those shows without the laugh track? Does the laugh track be like, oh yeah, that is funny. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to feel left out here. I'm going to laugh now. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible, incredible, uh, you know, potential psychology kind of, uh, not, not experiment, but what, what if we do a mailbag, but we ask each other questions that list 
if we had thousands of thousands of listeners, like they might ask us these questions, but sure. we just come up with them ourselves and ask them to each other. We just interview each other, basically. All right. Okay. I could, I could, I could probably make that happen. And we get, give me like a number of questions. Give me, give me some homework. Twenty. Ten. Twenty. Fifteen. Fifteen. Let's meet in the middle. Okay. Okay. That's what good relationships do, or and they're supposed to do at least. Yeah. In theory. Yep. All right. Let's get out of here, Biggs. Let's. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll be back in a month. Can't wait. Bye.